looking for a high-quality beach and sand scoop? Are you trying to take your hunting to the extreme? How about an American-based company that stands behind their product and everything they sell? Then check out our friends over at Extreme Scoops. John has been making scoops for some time now and makes a quality beach and sand scoop to take your hunting to the next level. Extreme Scoops recently released their new sand shredder that works great in the water and on the beach. And if you're a new Equinox user, you may want to check out his Surfmaster X3 that can trap those small targets you new Equinox users are finding out there. Extreme Scoops company approach is let's do it right. So do it right, buy it once, and go to the extreme. ExtremeScoops.com That's X-T-R-E-M-E Scoops.com Hey boys and girls, we are going to talk about S&W Shooters and Prospectors. What is S&W Shooters and Prospectors? We at S&W Shooters and Prospectors help people find treasure. Did you say treasure? Yes, treasure. Just listen to this amazing review from our happy customer, Jackie Sparrow. chocolate ship shape, and a pleasure to deal with. I was able to buy everything that I needed at prices that were shillings less than others. I found my nine pieces of meat in no time. Savvy? I know you're asking yourself, why should I shop at S&W Shooter and Prospectors? Chuck Smalley has over 45 years of metal detecting experience. He works with each customer one-on-one -on -one to customize their setup to match their skill level. So if you always dreamt of being a pirate, Arr. contact Chuck at SNW Shooters and Prospectors and he'll take a great deal for you. I pass rum, not included. Caution. Please do not operate motor vehicles or power equipment while under the influence of this show. Listening to this show could cause side effects such as bouts of laughter, violent binges of cabin fever, and even dreams of silver and gold. Please be advised. Now that the fine print is out of the way, on with the show. All right, the fine print's out of the way. It's time to roll with the show. We're back. We're live once again. You are listening to Beyond Sight and Sound, metal detecting and treasure running radio for all the really cool digging people out there. And as I look into the chat, we've got plenty of people dropping in for sure. I see them all coming through there. Dennis, Tam, Frank, Barb, Phil, uh, Jason's in, uh, a lot of people drop it in. Either way, welcome aboard to everyone. Definitely, this is uh, could be an interesting show. Not only do uh, not only does it cause side effects, and you shouldn't operate motor vehicles or power equipment with it. Sometimes strange things happen, and that's what I'm dealing with over here tonight. I've got extra screens popping up all over my screen that I'm not sure where they're coming from. Ah, uh, spooky stories. That's the way it goes, I guess. We we've, we've had had that happen before with uh, some 
some of the uh, shows that were covering different spooky stories and things like that. But speaking of spooky stories, obviously we've got the links in the chat and the description. All the usual suspects are front and center. And tonight we're going to be announcing the winners of the spooky story competition that we have told the listeners. We've had a special uh, judge for these stories, and the last I knew... It's it's been a tough choice. It's it's been tough. So we'll have to see yeah, you're right, Scott. Ghost in the machine once again. But uh we'll have to see how all of that goes. And uh we'll have a good time with it. Maybe we'll even get to hear a few stories uh as far as par- paranormal investigation from the guest. But obviously, those that have seen the promo, they've seen the title, they know our guest tonight, we've, we've been waiting to, to get in touch with him, is none other than Nick Simons from the Netflix series 28 Days Haunted. And hopefully you folks have had enough time to get out there and, and check out the series yourself and and see what's going on. Or maybe you happen to know Nick. Either way, tonight, we get set down with him. Chuck is a little tied up. He's uh, at a, a banquet right now, and he'll probably join us about halfway through the show. Until then, though, how is it going, Nick? It is going good. Um, how are you? Thank you for... Uh, both you and Chuck for thinking of me to bring me on tonight. Um, <laughs> never thought I'd ever hear from Chuck to come on this show. It was wild. <laughs> I was actually uh, getting ready to officiate a wedding, <laughs> and I looked down at my phone, and it's Chuck. I'm like, oh, this should be interesting. And so I pick it up, and, yeah, it's Chuck wanting me to come on the show and be the spooky judge for the spooky stories contest. And I said, why not? Let's do this. Right, yeah. I mean, we had uh, we had talked about it and, and thought, you know, <clears throat> if we're going to do something like this, what better way to tie it all together than to, to get you involved with it, too? Because I had told Chuck, I said, you know, it seems to me I was going to reach out to him in the past, and I don't know, maybe I dropped the ball, or maybe... Uh, he was too tied up at the time. I honestly can't remember. And then looking back through my messages, apparently I dropped the ball because I never reached out to you to begin with. So that oh, was... Oh, well, it's all right. We're here now, and it's the perfect time of the year for me to be here, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what I thought, because I thought, hey, you know, it's a perfect tie-in. And then uh, with scheduling, because you uh, recently had a uh, birthday, uh, we had to kind of shift schedules around a little bit and all of that and thought, well, you know, this will tie in great because this will put him on closer to Halloween and we'll see what happens. And man, things have been... Things have been a little crazy. I mean, the full moon just brings brings them out of the woodwork anyway. Yeah, and the, the full moon, my job. I was supposed to be on Wednesday. I was in Toledo, Ohio. Out really? there where you are. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not not yeah, too Toledo far. is is something else. <laughs> hmm. We were we we uh 
it was a corporate thing and uh we had to stay downtown toledo and i was like <laughs> i'm usually the most uh col- colorful and animated person when we're out on work uh um uh, visits and stuff like that and we're sitting at a stoplight surrounded by skyscrapers i'm like where is everybody was everybody <laughs> raptured on our way here <laughs> like there was no cars, no people out walking around. I didn't even see homeless people, you know, just laying on the sidewalk. You'd think a big city like Toledo, you'd at least, you know, see people, and there was nobody. Right, it was traffic, something. Yeah, that would be eerie. Going, wait yeah. a minute, what is the deal here? What happened? Twilight Zone. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I know you guys are close to Detroit, but come on, you're not Detroit. <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. That's, yeah. That is odd, too. Uh, very strange. Uh, so I figured probably what we would do because we're, we're, this is kind of metal detecting meets paranormal tonight. So we'd start out with the metal detecting and work our way over to the paranormal investigation if that works for you. So why don't we start off by telling people, uh, how you got into the hobby? What inspired you to get into the hobby of metal detecting? Well, I was inspired to get into metal detecting, much like probably everybody else's stories out there. My grandpa was into metal detecting, and uh, a few years, you know, after he passed away, I was sitting around kind of bored and jumped on Amazon and ended up with a AT Pro and just started metal detecting and uh, was talking about it at work. And um, one of the electricians at work, Happened to be the, I think he still is. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm a horrible club member. I haven't been to a club meeting since probably February or March. But I think, I think he's still the, uh, the club. Oh man, I'm gonna get beat up for this one. Historian or uh, librarian. But um, yeah, I think a he's club the historian. Club. Sounds like Don Finch. <laughs> Don Finch, we'll get to him in a bit. Uh, but mm. either way, it was uh, Rich Porter. He was an electrician at oh, my okay. company that I worked for. And um, he's like, you know, uh, if you're just getting started out, you should come down to one of our club meetings. And I was like, oh, all right. And I came down there, and I tell you what, it, just coming in as a new guy and, uh, you know, having Rich introduce me to people, and the club was it's amazing. If the people listening don't have a club in your area, you should start one or at least try to find one because having the club after all these years, I started when I was 28 and going on 29. And after all these years, I mean, the pretty much all the memories I have with metal detecting has been with the club and just a handful of memories I've made out and about by myself. But the club is a wonderful thing. And I think... I think uh, we kind of, I and I, we kind of set the bar for clubs, not to toot our own horn, but I mean, oh, come on. yeah, absolutely. I mean, <laughs> we, we got we got Don, Ray, Darwin. Darwin can literally find a silver dime in the air. Like, how'd you find right? That? <laughs> yep. Uh, Chuck. <laughs> Chuck. Just Chuck alone. Just the the resources that he is and has is just phenomenal. And I mean, those guys, Don and Ray, they've been there since it was invented. And oh yeah. Founding members. Those guys can 
tell you stories about the early days where you didn't even need a metal detector. You just go out and pick up handfuls of silver off, off the ground. <laughs> and it seems like some of them still go out and pick up handfuls off the ground. That That's Chuck. He's about as bad as Darwin. He can find a silver dime in thin air. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Falls out of the tree and hits him on the head. How'd that get up there? But, yeah, our... our <laughs> Our club, we've got a lot of firepower. I mean, Tim Rushing and his connection with Chicago Ron, and now they have a Netflix star in their in their club. I wouldn't say star. I'm kind of like accidentally on Netflix, but still, our club's got quite the resume of members. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And and when they put on an event, they go all out. They, <laughs> they pull out all the stops. They put on an event, for sure. And, uh yeah. Uh, actually, this area, we have kind of, you know, big-time events, not with just I and I, but uh, detecting the heartland. Uh, my friends Mindy and Casey, they live just down the street in Muscatine, uh, just south of where I'm at here in Davenport, Iowa. I mean, they their, their Facebook page is like over, what, 10,000 members, and they have a big spring hunt that sells out in minutes. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I believe their spring hunt uh, for 2023 sold out in 22 minutes. Yeah, yeah, I've been kind of a bad friend to them, too. I've just been busy this year, uh, just working on stuff around the house. Plus, it was uh, a desert here in Iowa, so I didn't really get a whole lot of detecting time. But i got to get out with uh, everybody again here soon. Maybe in November we'll get lucky and it'll stay wet and fairly warm. Right. I know what you mean. I I said many times on the show this summer, my backyard looked like the San Andreas Fault. <laughs> it's, you know, there, it's dry. <laughs> it's it's super dry. And maybe I'll, uh, maybe either next year or the year after, I'll join the modern age with my detector right now but uh it's so far i mean it's still keeping up with these newer machines it's just not as light as the newer machines but i got an old ctx 3030 you've probably seen it on netflix yeah yeah and a garrett carrot <laughs> and a garrett well i had the 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 profine 40 and i ended up just giving it to mindy and casey and detecting the heartland and told them to just give it away to somebody somebody just starting out new it just it, i don't know maybe i'm just too used to the carrot setting the ways setting the ways with the carrot but the pro find it was like what is wrong with this thing <laughs> like, <laughs> it, it, i'd end up frustrated with it more than i would be you know excited to find stuff wow yeah i don't know if i just had a if Chuck sold me a lemon, maybe. <laughs> maybe there's, you know, you can get lemons and uh, pinpointers. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, flaky units make it out. You know, whether it's coils, detectors, pinpointers. Um, and, oh, I don't know. You, you've known Chuck for probably 10 years now, if not a little more. And I got to hear a bit of an interesting story the other day about how you came to have a CTX. <laughs> so me getting the CTX is, it, it's a pretty awesome story actually. Um, yeah. My, my wife decided that she, I needed to have a CTX 3030 for my 30th birthday. 
Oh, now that's and, cool. Yeah. And, you know, I'd been at this point in time, I'd probably been swinging the AT Pro for, oh, probably right at a year. And I had mentioned to her, you know, that the 3030, I'm like, look at that thing. You can go swimming with it. It'll do everything but open the garage door for you. Right. And, uh, <laughs> and yeah, she surprised me with that thing. And I, I actually, I've gone swimming with it. We've, the, the 3030 and I have <laughs> swam in the Lake of the Ozarks completely underwater. Um <laughs> Yeah, it was a little scary that first time going all the way under with the machine, but yeah, it it was a fun time. It's it's a unique experience to go underwater with a two thousand dollar metal detector. And, well, I hope everything turns out okay with this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a little bit of hesitation taking that first plunge. Oh yeah, you 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 kind of uh, nervous yeah. and. I'm yeah, because electronics and and water just they don't normally play well together. No, they don't. Um, uh, usually, the chat room there should be like a. I think you have to once you're on the page of the the oh, episode, you have to scroll down. Yeah, but uh, yeah, the way it sounded, uh, it was kind of a surprise with that thirty thirty because she had Chuck hide it in the car. Chuck hit it in the car. I had no idea. Like, uh, I'm, I just turned 39 um, on the 17th. So <laughs> I'm trying to remember back to the day. But I think she gave me the shovel first, uh, one of Chuck's uh, little bitty um, leche shovels. I'm like, oh, that's nice. Thank you, babe. And she's like, well, let's go to dinner. Um, will you open the back seat and take some stuff out of my, uh, she had a Ford uh, Flex or I think back then she might have had a scion, but either way, it was a, a hatchback door. And she's like, eh, just grab those boxes out of there and put them in the house before we go to dinner and um, <laughs> open the hatch. <laughs> and there it is, CTX 3030. I, I, I fell over. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, going, what? Now we got to go to dinner. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to go eat. What's wrong? <laughs> but uh, uh, that day I did go eat. And um, that night I came back and it was well into the evening. And, uh, yeah, I was out there at like 11, 30, 12 o'clock at night <laughs> in the backyard with the CTX making all the noises. Bloop, 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 bloop. Nice. Yeah, it was a good time. And since then, you know, I've had tons of, I can probably spend the rest of the night just telling CTX stories of just going out. I had a... <laughs> Uh, she, my wife, she has a, a cricket, a cricket uh, vinyl cutter. Uh -huh. She does like t-shirts and stuff like that. And uh, in the Disney low, in the Disney font, <laughs> I had her make me make me this little sticker that goes right underneath the uh, CTX thirty thirty logo that's on the back of the machine, right underneath um, the arm sling. Mm -hmm. And it's so it says CTX thirty thirty. Then in the Disney font, it says "Be happy for me." <laughs> nice nice not those little kid sometimes but it's it's been a good machine i've enjoyed it after all these years yeah yeah it's it's definitely a, a good machine to use uh i was a 3030 user for years myself too and and then i had to go 
lightweight like yesterday, so that got me over into some other lighter weight machines and the Equinox and things of that nature. Oh, absolutely. I can see where that machine would wear down a guy's shoulder, a.k.a. rotator cuff over years and cause problems down the road. But, I mean, even with, like, the sling that they make for it, it, the swingy thing, it's it's still, it just makes it hard to handle something that heavy. But all the modern stuff took a note from um, Deus and has gone lighter. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. The Equinoxes, the Legend, uh, the uh, the Xterra Pro, the Manicore—they're they're all very viable options anymore. Yeah, it, it makes it hard to kind of stick with the machine the way that these machines just keep keep getting cranked out with new technology every year. Like I mentioned him earlier, and how he can find silver in thin air, uh, Darwin. Darwin Gillespie, he's he knows that E track like yeah, the back of his hand. Yeah, I was going to say it wouldn't surprise me if he's still running the E track. <laughs> he probably still is. I haven't seen him but once this year, but I imagine he's still swinging that E track and and he's going to swing it until either that pinpointer that 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 sun gold pinpointer wears out, which I think he said he's worn it out a couple times now, or the E track itself just quits altogether. Then he'll have to make the sad choice of where to go from there, but. He's really a prime example of um, getting a machine, sticking with it, and learning it. Oh, yeah. He's, he's downright lethal with that. <laughs> he, he is downright lethal with that. Like, <laughs> I'll invite him to places, and he'll he'll find a quarter. Like, the last two places I've invited him to, he's found barber quarters. And I'm like, I'm not bringing you out anymore. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> right. Going, what was I thinking inviting you? <laughs> Yeah, but but on the flip side, he's taken me to some of his honey holes, and the one honey hole that he took me to, I ended up with a walker, so I can't complain. Nice. Good job. Yep. Yep, that that day I dug that walker up, that kind of started the trend of everybody putting halves on their tongue. Ah. (laughs) Yeah, that's where it started, like... Ancient Facebook history tells us that Nick Simons was the one that started the walker, the the halves on the tongue, and since then everybody's been putting crap on their tongues for years since then. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um so with the with the uh, walker half that apparently was one of your notable finds. What was one of your notable finds with the CTX? That walker half was with the CTX. I did the that that half was with the CTX. Probably the most memorable one for me is uh, we have just up the street from where I live. There's an old school that's closed down, and it's now an institute for massage therapy. And uh, I have no problems saying this online <laughs> because there ain't nothing left. You won't even find nails out there. I've hit it this hard. <laughs> but but uh, it used to be that whole area used to be uh, the, the, the county fairgrounds. And we're talking from 1870 to about 1900. And where the school sits is the infield of where the horse track would have been. And uh, over the years, looking at many, many maps, I was able to decipher that and started 
making friends with the massage people. And uh, we still go there and get massages all the time. Uh, excellent massages, cheap massages. Massages feel good. They're good for your, your muscles and bones. <laughs> well, you won today. But um, the, the, the playground where the school used to be is the infield of the horse track. And I was out there detecting one day, and it, it just got done raining. And I said, you know what? I might as well go out and see what I can find. And Chuck put this program on the CTX for me that just basically opens it up. You will, the only thing it won't pick up is, whew. <laughs> you know, it about picks up everything. I think it won't pick up like. Um, right. Might miss bobby pins. Yeah, you might miss a bobby pin, but don't quote me on that. Um but I was just swaying along, and I had just the faintest, faintest, faintest little whoop, whoop. And uh, I dug it, and it ended up being a, a, a smooth 1877 seated uh, dime. And it's just nice. a dime, but it was still, it was cool to find that because I connected with the fairgrounds. Up until that point, I'd find, I'd found only um, coins and other riffraff related to the school. So to find that, I was like, yes, I found the fairgrounds. And it was kind of like the, the, the finish line for me at that particular location. Nice. Well, that's, <clears throat> that's always a plus. Always nice when you can see that old silver come out of the ground. Oh, yeah. Old silver. And for me, I, I mean, I spend most of the winter's just like researching the area and researching places to go. So when I can tie my research with a find like that, because yeah, we can go to that old school that was built in the twenties and pull out, you know, Mercs and sometimes barbers all day long and wheats until you're tired of digging wheats. But to be able to hit that, that seeded dime from the fairgrounds day was pretty cool. Another time I did that, I was looking at old maps of my mom's property, mm-hmm. and it looked like at one point in time there used to be a set of train tracks that ran from Clinton, Iowa, out to Iowa City, and they ran right through my mom's uh, cow pasture. So I gave her a call. I'm like, hey, can I metal detect in the cow pasture and uh, try to find these train tracks? She's like, yeah, go ahead. There's cows out there. So <laughs> I'm weaving in and out of <laughs> cattle. Just detecting, having a good time, and uh, turn discrimination completely off, because I'm trying to find you know anything related to the railroad days. Right. And uh, sure enough, about 15 inches down, the rail is still there. <laughs> they just buried the rails, left them all there. They didn't pull them up or nothing. So I dug up a couple spikes, gave one to my mom, and I got another one here out in the garage just hanging out and it was just a cool historical find for me that I was pretty excited about. I don't get too excited over relic hunting, but that time I was pretty excited. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, it uh, has that little bit of personal note, so to speak, seeing as how it kind of ties to the property. Exactly. Absolutely nothing wrong with that at all. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna switch gears on you and see because I'm I'm curious to know what got you into paranormal research. <laughs> All right, now we get weird. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I grew up in a haunted house, 
um, at the time, my mom's boyfriend was uh, trying to remodel this old nursing home. It used to be a, a home for the friendless. It's not like a poor farm or anything like that. It was basically like a place where old people can just go that, you know, don't have anybody left and just live. And then years down the road, um, homes for the friendless kind of fizzled out and it became a nursing home and they added on 65 rooms to the West Wing and um, it operated as a nursing home for many years until it shut down sometime in the 90s and he bought it and was going to rehab it into apartment buildings, which it is currently apartment buildings today. Um, but when we were living there, I was probably eight to 10 years old and an eight year old boy with 60 something rooms. I had awesome sleepovers, man. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> we, we, I think we went spelunking down the laundry chute many nights and it was just uh, the king of hide and seek in my school. Um, so you were the guy to know growing up in school. I understand you have an awesome house. I sure do. Would you like to attend this week's sleepover? Um, (laughs) (laughs) But on top of that, you would also see things and hear things. And so it kind of grew up with these experiences into the paranormal. Um, From there, we moved out of that house. My mom's not with that guy anymore, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then things kind of calmed down for me, you know, until about mm, high school when these uh, ghost hunting shows came out. And I used to sit around and watch these ghost hunting shows. And one day, my wife and I had just got together and we were just hanging out watching a ghost hunting show. I said, I could do that. And she's like, go do it then. <laughs> it wasn't <laughs> You're nothing going, but, well, all right. So I did. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Here I go. Um it wasn't about a week later she came home and she said one of the guys that I work with is wanting to start a ghost group would you be interested in joining him I said yeah she sent me his contact info and fast forward he's actually the guy that I made cry on Netflix we're still still together after all these years her sales pitch to him was you can take Nick he's as big as a door (laughs) (laughs) And here we are. Wow. Well, yeah, whatever it takes. Yeah. <clears throat> so, back in the day, starting out, were you pretty much low tech with all of this? Uh, yeah. Back in you know the very first investigation, we had a flashlight, and that was about it. Uh, fast forward now, we've got you know thousand dollars, thousands of dollars worth of equipment. Uh, I mean, hell, one night we even took the metal detector, the thirty thirty, with us into an investigation and duct taped it to a tripod and pointed the uh, coil down a hallway to see if that would, if it would make any noise. It didn't work, but hey, we were trying. <laughs> well, that seems like uh, an unorthodox approach to to the situation that you never know it's worth a try anyway yeah it's definitely worth a try i mean there's there's some situations well um not situations but uh there's some devices that in the the ghost hunting world that these devices they emit low electromagnetic frequencies and uh 
if you were to like walk up to this device, it would go off and make noise. And the theory on that is, you know, that the ghosts can set it off too. And it's been documented that it just will go off at random and there's nothing in the area to set it off. And they think that the ghost did it. So I said, why the hell not? Let's duct tape the 3030 to a, a tripod and point it down the hallway and see what happens. Right. Yeah. So and, uh, you've kind of went from flashlights to the the thermal imaging and... Yep, I've and, got thermal uh, imaging. Pretty much everything you see on TV, I I own. I owned it before I went and filmed the show. The only thing I got out of the show is a paycheck. And that paycheck paid for a side of beef and a shop vac. <laughs> Redneck priorities. Well, yeah. Hey, you can maybe you can go. But it was a really good side of beef. It sure was. <laughs> it, it was a, a delicious side of beef. And uh, I'm probably going to get another one here in the spring. Hey, there you go. So yeah. with uh, doing all of the paranormal investigations, how did we go from there to Netflix and 28 Days Haunted? So the, um, the, the whole Netflix thing came about is um, we put ourselves out on the Internet. You can watch me, Aaron and I on YouTube. You just go to YouTube and search Ghost Crier and you can see all of our videos that we put out from about 2015 to, oh, 2020, you can watch us as babies uh, just out investigating around the Quad Cities. I actually, <laughs> the 3030 <laughs> is also a baby on, on YouTube. Uh, there's one episode I took Aaron, and we did a ghost video at one of my, my local haunts that I also like metal detecting at. And, um, yeah, at the end of the video, you can see me out there digging. I'm like, since we're here, I might as well detect. <laughs> but um, with putting yourself out there on the internet like that, over the years, we've had many calls from Yeah, it does producers. tend to attract attention from people. Yeah, yeah, we get lots of calls from producers over the years that um, go nowhere, really. Before the Netflix thing, oh, we had yeah. a, a, a production company that wanted to send us to Adak, Alaska, that place where they filmed Pirate Gold. Oh, okay. Yeah, they wanted us to go there and do some ghost hunting stuff. I'm like, seems a little far, but all right. <laughs> and then fast forward, <laughs> fast forward, they they filmed Pirate Gold there. I mean, the show was it was cool. I mean, uh, uh, could have done without all the unexploded unexploded ordinances every time they shut down the operations for that. And it's like, don't you have somewhere else you can go detect then, rather than just stand around and watch. Right. Yeah. So yeah, we were I, used to lots of producers calling us and you know giving us the old "we'll keep in touch." Then um, the Netflix people called us one day and did a, about a two-hour-long interview with us, and uh, we got the old "we'll keep in touch." And then about oh, I'd say probably two or three months went by, and then all of a sudden it was like June, and they're like, "Hey." Remember us? And we're like, yeah. And they're like, you guys made it. You're a part of the show. And we're like, what? What? <laughs> yeah, we've never gotten this far. What do we do now? Right, like, now what? I was like, Ricky Bobby, what do I do with my hands? And uh, 
<laughs> they said, so uh, just, you know, be ready because we'll call you later on and um, tell you when you're going to be flying out and doing your thing. Okay. And it was about, you know, we got about a week, a week notice. It was, so it was like, all right, next week you guys are going to fly to Connecticut. That's all it said. You guys will fly to Connecticut. Okay. And then from there, we will pick you up and put you in a hotel. Okay. <laughs> so I had to go to work and request 30 days off of work because I was going to need 30 days to go film 28 days on it. Right. And, uh, yeah, they, they were true to their word. They flew us to Connecticut. And they, when you land, call this number. We landed, called that number. A little blue van pulled up, picked us up, dropped us off at the hotel, spent the night at the hotel. Next day, the producers come down. Hey, this is, you know, Sean, the other guy on the show. You guys will be rooming together with him for 28 days. Shake hands. All right, now get in the van, put these blindfolds on, and away we went. <laughs> Not right, sketchy so, at all. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. So you guys had, you know, basically no prior information on the, uh, the area you were investigating. Correct. We didn't even know the name of the town we were in until day 28 when they drove us back to the airport and we were looking out the window because they didn't make us put the blindfolds on to, to leave. But we were looking out the window. We were like, oh, this is Preston, Connecticut. Wow, that's neat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. People think that, you know, Hollywood does all these weird things. No, they were legit. We didn't know where we were at. We didn't have our phones like when you see us on the show turning our phones off and handing them them in, they were turned off and gone. Like the day we got our phones back, I called the wife and she's like, your cat's terminally ill. The drummer for Slipknot died. Dusty Hill from ZZ Top died. And COVID might be coming back. I was like, man, I'm, I'm just going to go for another 28 days. This is all bad news. <laughs> right. Going, what yeah. the heck? Yeah. Come on, I just finished filming a show. Is there any good news? But it was it was great to be home. I was definitely homesick. I think we were all homesick by probably, you know, day eight. or, or And, um, yeah, you, you definitely see that on the show. That's something that they don't highlight on the show is, you know, everybody's got their own world outside of filming that little show. And then being separated from your own little world for 28 days straight is, it's it's tough. Yeah. Yeah, that that would be a little rough on people like that. Uh, but it it still seems like it would have been quite the experience. Oh, it was it was an amazing experience. Um, it's something I'll never forget. Hell, sometimes I dream about it. Um, <laughs> I'll wake up in a cold sweat. Ah! Oh, I'm not in Connecticut. Thank God. Yeah, <laughs> right. Shout out to Shout out to Mike Lamet in the comment section posting my uh, YouTube channel up there. Thanks, Mike. Oh, outstanding. I'll have to go back and check that out myself. So basically, uh, if you had it all to do over again, you wouldn't change it. Nope, wouldn't change nothing. It was, if, if I could change anything, I'd make it more highlighting the investigation side of things versus what they shown was like us fighting with each other and 
I thought that was pretty boring and the wrong way to go because, I mean, if they were going to do that, we could have filmed the whole show in 10 days and been done with it, you know? <laughs> right. We could have just went out somewhere around our area and did that. Yeah, and and if I had power over the producers, I'd let myself detect more because it's like <laughs> the day... So Darwin... Mr. Darwin Gillespie loaned me his suitcase that uh, he uses to fly to the UK with when he detects over there and finds super old axe heads and other coins and relics. But uh, he lent me his suitcase, and apparently it'll fit an E-Track just fine. What it doesn't fit is uh, the lower shaft of a CTX 3030. So <laughs> Yeah, you've got to have a pretty big suitcase for that. Yeah, so uh, I was able to get all of the stuff there, but the wife had to UPS me the lower shaft in a tube, and the day that tube showed up with my lower shaft, the producers were like, no detecting unless we tell you to. I was like, oh, man, come on, because <laughs> we were staying in a house that was built in 1754, so naturally I was like having tremor, tremors like an alcoholic. Like, I was like, hey, man, can I just go outside for a minute just just see what's out there? Right, yeah, just a minute. You know, let me take a pinpointer. So, so funny you, you bring that up. Uh, at night, after everybody would go to bed, the, uh, the basement was built uh, in 1754, so that basement is just rocks stacked up. There's no mortar in between the rocks. So I was down there, you know, 4 o'clock in the morning with a pinpointer sticking it in between those rocks, seeing if it, it would go off on anything. <laughs> Make <laughs> any fines? No, nails. Uh, well, well, uh, well, but still, it, it was worth a shot anyway. And Absolutely. we've actually, uh, Chuck has actually joined in with us. Hey, Nick. Hey, Josh. Morning, Chuck. How's it going? All right. Good. Hopefully you just the missed state us was announcing good. all the winners. Well, cool. <laughs> so, no, you missed the the heartfelt message I sent out to the I&I Club, basically making us sound better than everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, well... Cross that bridge when we get to that one. Yeah. <laughs> so if any hate mail shows up, remember, I'm a card-carrying member in good standings. <laughs> yes, you are. <laughs> they ain't going to backtalk you at six foot whatever it is. Right, yeah. yeah. That's right. Six, seven, 330 pounds. I you imagine. Know, right behind you. I imagine <laughs> he gets quite a bit of leeway. Get him, Nick. There you go. <laughs> So yeah. yep, I just just got back. We had a a big banquet, and and uh, I can't hardly move. It was good. I'll have to good. I'll have to keep that in mind if I have to do a uh, another live remote in the area or something and need security. Say, hey, where's Nick? Yeah, where's yeah, get Nick? Get him out here. Yep. You know, it's intimidating to have Nick Jesse standing beside you, and you dig up an old. Uh, old coin you go okay look at that hand it up in the air yeah that's he has to go stand on the bumper of his truck to hand it to us what do you guys think about that right (laughs) yeah that's that's when you have somebody you say here can you get my picture with these people so you can say this is what it would look like if i were a midget yeah (laughs) so so when i when i 
in the ghost world, I have to go to all these conventions, and I uh, I have stickers made up that said, I, I felt short standing next to Nick Simons from 28 Days Haunted on Netflix. And I just yeah. hand them out to everybody that's shorter than me. Right. Or two. Man. Yeah. So, well, I'm sorry I missed your stories there. And uh, you did pick the winners? Well, no, he, he's picked them, I think. We just don't know well, who they are. I think you probably got him in line. I, I have no idea who, and and it's totally up to Nick. But uh, in your travels over there and toting around the detector, you didn't get to use it at all? No, nope, the only time I got did. to The only time I got to use it is the time you saw it on screen when I dug up the copper pentagram and what they didn't show you was also down there with that pentagram was a, a copper candlestick holder. Ooh. Oh wow. Yeah. See, I I didn't, fa- I knew about the pentagram, but I didn't know about the candlestick holder. Yeah, so when I first dug it up, we had to reshoot it because when I found it, it just I was like, you guys are effing with me. And I looked right in the camera and said that. You guys are effing with me right now. And the producer was like, cut. We're not. (laughs) Cut. (laughs) Do it again. (laughs) So what what you actually saw on Netflix of me going, whoa. (laughs) That was about my exhausted fourth time of pulling that out of the ground. Because the Hollywood stuff is, you know, they always get to get about... 15 different shots of the same thing over and over. Like right. just the shot of us walking into that house. We probably filmed that probably 12 times of us. All right, now walk in this way. And when you get to the bush, Nick, you look over your left shoulder, Aaron, you look over your right shoulder and Sean, you just stare ahead. All right, now do the same thing. Only reverse. And it was like, re- <laughs> redundancy. We'd be having 15-minute-long conversations, and they'd pop on the walkie-talkie, and they like, all right, now let's let's do that all again, but sound angry when you guys are talking this time. It's like, ugh. <laughs> <laughs> it's a pain. And now that it's all done, it's like, <coughs> yeah, ooh, it's done. But when we were there, especially being there, you know, for 28 days straight, and you can't even leave the property, it's little things like that oh. just set you off and drive you nuts. Wow, right, that sucked. And from that episode, it it looked like basically with the uh, with the thermal imaging, you you had found a uh, a hot spot in the yard, and that's what prompted you to go over with the CTX. Yep, that hot spot led us to that, and um, you know when I when I got out there with the detector, I'm like, this thing's going to light up, isn't it? <laughs> and sure enough, it you know the CTX started screaming at me. I was like, "Damn it, all to hell!" <laughs> like, <laughs> I was like, "It's just weird that it's working out like this." I'm like, "No, stop, stop, don't!" And it just bing, bing. Oh, damn it! And I actually <laughs> went back with a uh, set of dowsing rods, and the dowsing rods would come together and cross over that spot too. And I'm like, "Really?" <laughs> Wow. So you're just going to have to have to break free and take a trip where you detect and do like we did out at Mount Pillar. You did some searching for the ghosts in the slave quarters. Yeah, so it, that is a actually a story that I was going to try to get told before the show ends. But uh, yeah, how about what it? Chuck said what Chuck said. We were 
part of the Mine Lab archaeological expedition to Mount Pillar, and I think that was actually the last one, wasn't it, Chuck? Well, the, the last one that Mine Lab hosted, yes. Yeah. And then everyone after that's been kind of pay your way. Yep. Yep. Cough up the whole or of it. or through the uh, scholarship program, basically. Yep. And and the format has been changed in how they do things, but it is it's still good. It's still yeah. a good thing to go if you ever get a chance to go do. I I hear they Absolutely. don't allow people to tap on the windows if you're trying to get EVPs. <laughs> yeah, they, uh, they so I don't even think they knew about that until it was too late. But uh, <laughs> yeah, the, the the Mount Pelier expedition. I mean, remove the ghost hunting from it altogether, and it, it's just memories that last a lifetime of just being yeah, in the woods with. Being in the woods with the guys, and it was mostly I and I people there, so that was also a, a bonus. Yep, it's just right. you're there with all your buddies, and it's people that you detect with a lot outside of you know being on the expedition. And I'll never ever forget my time spent out there. I mean, See, was all, it you all, and Jesse all the big players. Huh? Was you and Jesse riding together, or Kevin? Who yeah, was it? Was it? it was me and Jesse. Jesse, yeah, you guys got lost up in Pennsylvania. <laughs> we we didn't get lost. Uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. We did get lost because when you go on eighty through Pennsylvania, it does that stupid thing where you, if you want to go south, you have to go past your exit because there's not an exit there. And then you go down, get off, drive through this town, get back onto eighty, go in the opposite direction, and then go all the way back down to your exit, and yeah. I was furious that night. <laughs> we showed up at like eleven o'clock at night. We left at six a.m. in the morning. Wow! We'll never take eighty through Pennsylvania ever again. But anyways, uh, so we did. We we made it, and everything was good to go and fine. And had a wonderful time detecting detecting our yep. arms off, pretty much, and just. That that stuff's all fun, but the 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 antics at night are even funner. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, a good time. Oh, it was a hilarious time. Um, I think the night we were actually ghost hunting, <laughs> Frank whipped out his uh, rhubarb wine, and I was three sheets to the wind. <laughs> you see ghosts with that anyway. Yeah, yeah, right. I was, you'll I was see something. That, yeah, I was definitely seeing something that night. But we decided it'd be a hilarious idea to take all of us out to the old slave quarters and the archaeologists, those poor girls, they had to share a house with us and um, they joined us and I had a spirit box going out there and what a spirit box is, it's a small handheld radio device that has a sweep function on it and it sweeps through every frequency of the FM band at probably 150 milliseconds per station, so it's going pretty quick you're not going to hear classic hits 97X, That that's not, <laughs> nope. not going to come through Right and uh I'm like, show me that this thing's working. What's this archaeologist's name right here? And a voice pops up and says, it's Kylie. And the, the Kylie that was standing out there with us was like, nope, nope, nope. I'm done. I'm going to bed. <laughs> I'm out of here. The hell with you guys. And uh, so we did some more investigation out there, just kind of trying to get weird voices to come through that um, spirit box. But the highlight of the night was probably uh, Darwin's girlfriend, Jen, sneaking outside and then jumping through an open window at us and just 
making about half the group jump out of their skin. (laughs) Early on, Kevin and I were out there scraping on the walls, and that one gal freaked out and left. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I remember that now. Yeah. (laughs) You were very happy with us. You were picking up us. (laughs) So, yeah, it's a good time. That was... That was... uh, quite the group we we really worked hard and we found a lot of uh you know of course you find a lot of rust and uh nails and and drawing out a map of a building by the nail scatter because the building had just collapsed in place and the wood had rotted away and they could tell the rooms and a few good things come up a large i can't remember what all come up yeah large uh, part of like an onion bottle and yeah. Oh that wow. Too. Yeah. I I found a uh, <clears throat> I found an aluminum tab that they have resident uh, metal detectorists that just are there every day swinging along, and I found this aluminum tab, and he's like, "Oh, that's just to mark the spot that I found a uh, button off of Andrew Jackson's coat." I know it's Andrew Jackson's coat because he had these custom buttons made, and they showed us a picture of it. I'm like, damn it, you couldn't have left that there. It was in my square. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I think Lance found that. I'm not sure. Yeah. Lance Crosby is one of them, and uh, uh, he's, the stuff they found out there over the years is just phenomenal, but they did get into the Confederate camps, and literally, for those of you that, Civil War hunt, the Confederate camps laid down closer to the river area, and they found piles, literally piles of left-behind mini-balls that were all Confederate, and they left them. They're still there, and they found Confederate buttons and buckles and gun parts, because it was directly after Gettysburg that they retreated back into there. And yeah, uh, yeah. there was a lot left in there. I found, and they made me rebury it. I found a Confederate canteen, and uh, on one of the trips out there, up by the the old uh, sheep herders area, and uh, it, it's still coming up with finds like that all over. Yeah, it's just crazy how much stuff is still out there. I still have pictures on my phone of when they walked us back into that camp area, and because of the way that the dirt is in Virginia, their little um, the dugouts that they made to build their shelters are still there. You just stand on the edge of this wood, this tree line, and look out into the woods, and there's just all these little dips, perfectly mm-hmm. symmetrical in a line, and it's like wow, this is like coming from Iowa. We, we're not used to seeing stuff like that. I mean, Chuck's Mr. Worldwide. He's all over the place, and he's like, yeah, that's pretty nice. I've seen better. But like the rest of us, we're <laughs> like, wow. <laughs> uh, the the Slaves Cemetery. Yep, the Slave Cemetery. That was a, that was a powerful depressions. moment. And that would have been some place for you to kind of check out a little bit. Yeah, later. that's what I was just thinking. Yeah, that, that that would have been a creepy going out there at night because you're like in the middle of uh, two cemeteries there. You have the slave cemetery on one side, and then you turn directly around, and then just over yonder is the Madisons are buried all straight across from them, and it would have been a double whammy there for sure. Yep, James wow. is there, and his dad, his brother, uh, Dolly, 
Maybe you could have chatted with Dolly. Yeah. Hey, thanks for the pastries. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. But, uh, nope. If, and, and, of course, not all of us can go out there. Evidently, one of our members on the group here, Josh, goes out there and the tree tries to get her through the archaeological room. Right. Yeah. Well, you you got to be careful. went out there and visited while she was out of DIV, and a storm came up, and a tree fell through Yeah, the she went out and what? decided she'd go visit the uh, museum and everything, and, I don't know, dull day or whatever, decided to knock a tree over on it. <laughs> so... I think I remember seeing that on Facebook, them posting about that tree coming down like that. Yes, it did. Yeah, yeah. It was it was a unfortunate time. Yep. And there's been a lot of changes out there, Nick. Matt's still in, in charge of the deal, and they still run their week-long detecting event, but it's generally about the last thing they do, so they're just probably gearing up to do that in... Uh, Usually was the last uh, week of October, first week of November, and yeah, that's about times. when we were out there. Yep, and a couple times they've been out there. It went from seventy-five, eighty to where it snowed on us, and it's like, ooh, come on, let's move this back up to mid-October. <laughs> <laughs> right. The, yeah, the night. The, the week that we were all out there, that time that I keep talking about, that, that was the week uh, Trump won that week, and we were all kind of, like, blown away. And then that yep. whole area out there, everybody was like, what? <laughs> yeah. But at that time, pretty much the whole country was just blown away. What? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Right. But, uh, no, and with your travels now, with the stuff you're doing, have you... Have you had any more follow-up coming towards you on this, Nick? Uh, no, it's actually all said and done. Um, so now okay. we will just act surprised if somebody else calls and wants me on TV. Kind of got to put a bug in that Josh Gates here. I'm like, hey, I've been metal <laughs> detecting on TV before, too. I don't have to chase ghosts all the time. Let's go to Brazil or something. <laughs> yeah. There, there you, you go. go. Maybe Frank can put in a good word with him. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, I'm just going to have to have you save up. We'll say the heck with going after that stuff. You go up up north with me for some gold. Oh, yeah, up in Nome. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, have to, yeah. You, you love seeing that old silver come out of the ground, but it's really something when you see the old gold. Oh, yeah. Yep. At the end of the day, I'm a coin shooter, but if we're going out looking for nuggets, uh, I'll set everything I know about coins to the side and <laughs> yep. have Chuck do a a couple tweaks to the CTX, if he remembers how to tweak the CTX. And oh, I'm sure he does. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. But, you know, the, the, the whole thing about England, and I, I've got to detect over there a couple times, is the variety and age width. Of yeah, broad range. Broad range. You just don't know. One step, you could pull up a Celtic stator, and the next step, a Saxon piece, and yeah. the next step, uh, World War Two vintage penny, and and it's crazy. And uh, buttons and nits and bits. That that that's the interest part of it 
for many people is is that part there and then uh, here in the US we if you get back pre 1800 in our area Nick you've done you're pretty excited well. yeah 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 you're, you're doing pretty well when you get back that far but and yeah and to get back that far here it's like you you have to it's you got to put your work in you you definitely have to put work in i mean just off the top of the head my head right now the only place i know that where you could even remotely have kind of luck like that would be that that old indian village but it's in the it's in the really rough part of town in rock island here and uh mm-hmm. yeah yeah, uh, if you can even make it to the spot of the village without something happening to your car or yourself, you're lucky. Yep. <laughs> One other, two other places around town, maybe, uh, and and it's it's thin in our area to get into that age where you get out southeast, east coast, they get into the into the sixteen nineties, seventeen hundred range stuff. And yeah, early early coppers and things like that, but it's copper. Copper, <laughs> look at my copper. Uh-huh. So. Actually, speaking of not being able to find things, uh, so hilarious story, fun story. Uh, the town I grew up in is the next town over from where Chuck lives. And when I first started meeting Chuck and talking about detecting, I mentioned that you know. He he mentioned in in passing that you know he lives in town X, and I was like, oh, I grew up in town Y, and he's like, yeah, you probably won't ever have any luck detecting up there. Then I'm like, probably not. And to this day, ten years later, I've never set a coil down in the town that I grew up in. <laughs> <clears throat> right, there's been a few times where I'll somebody will be on the show and and they may mention, oh yeah, they told me I should go check out this place and. Yeah, you may not want to. Chuck's probably already been there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Chuck's been there in recent years. Like um, Don and Ray, we were talking about them earlier. I, I've gone to places that they've swung on way back in the day. And people are like, oh, those guys have been there before. And Don, this is from Don himself. He goes, yeah, I've been there, but technology is so far advanced, you'll probably get all the stuff that I missed. So, you know, just because Chuck or Don or Darwin's been there doesn't mean nope, that it's completely it empty. Right, you never you get, never it, get all, it all, but they sure do make it tough, don't they? <laughs> they they're they're going to make you work for it. That's right. Right, yeah, exactly. No other guys that have hunted in Cova <laughs> And up north of me there and other stuff that have found some pretty good stuff, but they were there in the early days too. And I went back and, and with the technology advancements from the thirty thirty forward here and the E track and and some of the others, the Deus, things like that, they're finding a lot more. Yeah. Right. Not because got a good one going, so you know they breathe uh, new life into old sites. That's yeah, right. You talk, yeah, just technology alone. Jesse has him and his dad. They used to have what that ATX or whatever that that big yep. Garrett like yep. minesweeper was. That, and he said he dug twenty inches to find a BB. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sometimes depth is not everything it's cracked up to be, especially yeah, depth when you... and power sometimes bite you. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. when when you're digging down that deep for half of a lead sinker or, or a BB <laughs> or a pull tab or digging two feet for a rusty nail, it's right. that's I'm all the time telling them when we're talking about pulse induction units, you have to ask yourself, how deep do I want to dig a nail? Yeah, bingo. Or a, or a pull tab. Now, I, I, I dig yeah. it in Virginia. I was up in the upper, what would have been north corner of a field, and that's the first time I met Barb was at that one. That's where they found the uh, case of shaler bullets. Mm-hmm. I decided mm-hmm. to move up and away from where everybody was working, get out, and I found a couple drops and things like that, 58s, and I got this nice signal and i started digging and i dug and this is that area where there wasn't many rocks they could deep plow and they deep plowed that mm-hmm. at about 28 inches that nice signal turned out to be a stinking pull tab <laughs> oh. i'd spent you know probably a half hour trying to get that cotton picker out of there so yeah having the most powerful thing on the block isn't always the best because uh, that was a 4800 that I was using. And aluminum sounds pretty good. <laughs> right. Yeah, it does. Aluminum sounds awesome, especially if you're hunting in a super trashy area. That's kind uh-huh. of how I cut my teeth into detecting is the fairgrounds is right by my house, and I've always gone there and hunted, and it's like extreme trash, but I, I managed yeah. to still pull silver out of there to this day. But I've, you know, found a a nice quarter signal, high tone in between low garbage tones, and you dig down, and it's like five nails and a lid to a ball jar. <laughs> right? Yeah. You, you, or or you that, dig that down, and Eric wow, it's not a piece of aluminum; it's the whole like can. <laughs> yeah. And they've sure changed those fairgrounds. I was walking them this year during the fair, and the new buildings they put up, they've capped a lot of the dirt road back there and put more concrete up and and really changed that old boulevard back on that one side. Yeah, yeah we're having the same issues here. Losing it all. Yeah, definitely. Uh, let's see here. I I know that, uh, and, and this came from Nick himself, that he he had been listening to the archives of these stories and and he said it was kind of tough. Oh yeah. Yeah. But I figure maybe before we get to how tough it was or anything like that or what he thought of the stories, he might want to share maybe uh an eerie spooky story himself. Well, that'd be good. He's got so, to have one there somewhere after hunting for him in England other than arguing with the group of people he was with because all <laughs> they live for on TV is uh, drama. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, hmm. Well, well, we'll toss out one, a local story that Good. has yet to be explained. But in Cambridge, Illinois, there's a road if you go out outside of uh, Cambridge when you come in into town, the road kind of tees, and you have to go to the right around the courthouse. Then you make a left to go down past the the courthouse. But if you instead of making that left, if you keep going straight outside of town, 
there's a, a road that'll be on your right hand side and you hang a right on that road and go down that road and then there's a sharp left curve and right there at that left curve there used to be a house there it was the markham the markham family house and in 19 sometime in the i think it was in the early teens the the wife the husband had gone out for work and the wife was left at home with the kids and whatever reason she one day just went crazy and she killed the kids this is all this is all real like you can look this story up she killed the kids she started a fire in the house and she tried to cut her own throat and um, wow first responders got there and uh were putting the fire out and they actually were able to get her out of there and keep her alive for a few days um Technology wasn't advanced then. I mean, if that happened today, she'd probably still be alive and sitting in jail. But uh, she just took everybody out and burned the house down to the ground. And that poor man who was out trying to make a living to support his family lost his entire family that day. So she's buried in one cemetery with the kids, and he's buried in another cemetery by himself alone. And the the ghost story is you can go out there at night and you see weird balls of light just roaming around the cornfield. And I think it would be, it wouldn't be macabre to go out there and detect out there because, I mean, there was a house there and it, it, it'd be kind of just interesting to go out there and see what you could find with a metal detector. Yeah, maybe do a little investigation, but outdoor investigations are kind of hard just because when you are ghost hunting, you're relying a lot on recordings, quiet recordings. Right, so it'd be yeah. tough, but it'd, it'd have to be just the experience of sitting out there and investigating that, that tragedy because it's really a sad story, and it's local to Chuck and I. I don't, I don't know who else is local listening, maybe a mic, but it's it's spooky story for Halloween. Yeah, definitely. Or if you want an actual ghost story that I've experienced, this one goes quick. In Rock Island, Rock Island, Illinois, there's a furniture store called Dan Viner Furniture. Uh, It used to be a YMCA. It was a YMCA from 1912 until 1976 or 8, I can't remember. And in YMCA's, if you've ever listened to the song uh, YMCA by the Village People, one of the lines is, it's fun to stay at the YMCA. And most people nowadays don't know it. I'm pretty sure, that I'm confident that everybody on the show, listening to the show, knows that you used to be able to stay at the YMCA. Uh-huh. And on the top floor of Dan Finer Furniture is still the old dormitories <clears throat> of when guys stayed there. You can go into rooms and it has the old push button light switches and the lead paint Ooh. on the wall and um, oh wow the the owner will let us investigate in there ghost hunt in there and um you go up to that floor at night when it's pitch black and you just stand in the hallway and look down the hallways and you can see shadows peeking out of the doorway looking at you and then they dip back into the rooms sometimes they'll come out of the door completely and just kind of like 
slither along the set, the the edge of the hallway towards you. It's creepy, and it's probably my favorite place in the Quad Cities to go do ghost stuff. Oh, so it sounds <laughs> like you've you've uh, returned multiple times. <laughs> I I'm in the. If I had to put a number on it, I'm probably in the hundreds of times I've investigated there. <laughs> wow. Okay, that's Ooh. multiple. Yeah, definitely. There's something there if you keep going back. Yeah. Yeah. Keep going back to that one out by Anamosa. There's an old poor farm out there that I, I do a lot of ghost hunting out there. Chuck's been to Anamosa. He took Gary Drayton out there one time. Gary Drayton found a Morgan. Chuck found nothing. <laughs> that's yep. always my favorite stories when Chuck gets skunked. <laughs> yeah. we were doing everything all gary wanted was indian head pennies and he comes in there you go mate i found this couldn't find nothing else and the whole the whole group just stopped was Looked it a morgan or a peace dollar it was a piece uh, and the whole group darwin's sitting there going slaps his head and he goes he gets he gets finds that most guys will never ever find and all he wants is an Indian. He's complaining. Yeah. <laughs> he was mad that he got the peace dollar. Damn it, I said I wanted to find an Indian head, not this yeah, garbage. Penny. But he told the whole group. Yep. <laughs> Darwin went off. He's like shaking his head. Oh, my God. Right. Some so, people you just uh, can't reason with. We Indians on that trip a little later. It took some doing, but it happened. It yeah. happened. But, yeah, I'm just standing there going, I can't believe you, dude. <laughs> right. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> so when you uh, when you do your uh, ghost hunting, do you uh, edit your own audio clips? Or, you know, do you, do you archive these? Do you store these somewhere for, you know, maybe to check out later, look back on at, at another point further down the road? Do you edit those at all or just keep them raw? Yeah, I, uh, you know, I, I clean them up so it's easy to understand. Mm -hmm. And I have mm -hmm. them all archived on an external hard drive just because there's so many. I don't want to tie my computer memory up with them. But, yeah, I got tons and tons of stuff. Like, we could sit here the rest of the night and play spooky ghost sounds. Huh? Uh, <laughs> Probably one of my favorite ones to catch is when they say my name. I'm sitting in a completely dead, silent room, and there's just me in the room, and there's a woman's voice that says, Nick, Nick, like it's trying to get me to look at a certain point in the room. It's It gives you goosebumps. Oh, I'll bet. bet. And uh, what software do you use to do your uh, audio editing? Adobe Audition. Yeah. Nice, because I'm sure that yeah. we've got some people in the chat that may be interested in that sort of thing and wondering how they can uh, they can good. obtain those results. Uh, Adobe Audition works for me. I know it's a, a bit pricey. There's tons of uh, free software out there. I think uh, it's called Audacity. You can download it for free, and a lot oh, of yeah. people use that. And, and it works very well. That. Yep. Yep, that's uh actually that's part of the uh part of the uh toolbox that I use for audio editing for bumpers for the show and things like that. Yeah. Now, that's Nick, I got nice. one question for you about your ghost hunting here. In, in the places you've been into, have you ever been into one where you felt I don't know threatened? 
innocent or feel anxious about something? I mean, yeah, yeah, that, that's a great question, Chuck. Um, well, once again, another local local spot for Chuck and I and anybody else that's local in chat. Um, so in Moline, Illinois, right next to I seventy four, there's the old Scottish Rite Cathedral, and we did an oh, event very there. Well. Yep, we did an event there. It cracks me up because I think at the time when we were there, it was still operational as a Masonic temple, and they they there was some Masons there that told me that it was part of the Southern chapter. I'm like, what? <laughs> How is it in the South? And he's like, it switches over to North, <laughs> up by Minnesota. I'm like, okay. <laughs> but, uh, anyway. Well, that's definitely North. Yeah. I figured we'd be north too, you know. Right. To, you know, <laughs> so the south covers from the top of Iowa all the way down to the border, and down down to the Gulf of Mexico. There, anyways. Yes, it does. But uh, Scottish Rite Cathedral, awesome, beautiful, beautiful building. Uh, nothing but respect uh, for the the people that were owning it at the time. It's not a Masonic related uh, building anymore. But when we were there, we were very respect, respectful. We actually had some Masons there with us that were curious, but they were also there just to make sure that we weren't going to be dickheads, especially yeah. to the Masonic uh, uh, culture, would you call it? Um, mm-hmm. And we weren't. We were very respectful, and I was actually there like to learn more about Masonry, and it was a wonderful experience, except... <laughs> They they have a big like theater, and in the theater, you know you have actual theater chairs that are bolted to the ground. And then there's like a general seating area where, when there's not a play, you can open it up and have like a big open floor plan, and they just get like folding chairs or something. So I was walking into that general seating area. There was no folding chairs out there, so it was wide open like a gymnasium floor, and I'm carrying a tripod with a camera on it, I was just going to set that camera up in there and just let it film nothing in there just to see if we could catch, like, some shadows and stuff moving around. And me being the tough guy that I am, I was just using the night vision on the camera to look where I was going. I didn't have a flashlight on or anything. And then I mm-hmm. set the camera down, get it all set up, and I turn around and... I could see some ambient lighting from the hallway bleeding into the room. And in front of me, there was just a blob of darkness. And I could see the ambient lighting on either side of it. But this thing was like three inches from my face. And I just stood there for a minute taking it in because part of investigating is just your personal experience, not, you know, your personal experience, but you also want to, you know, document with your recorders and your cameras and stuff like that. But I was just taking in this personal experience of this blob being in my face. And it was like just the blackest shadow you've ever seen just free floating Ooh. in the air. And it, it was in my face and I felt like I was going to get into a bar fight. That's I mean, it was tense. <laughs> and yeah. I said, excuse me and stepped to the left and walked around it. And the, as soon as I got past it, all that tension was gone like it was just ah it, it just you didn't feel like i was getting ready to go fist to cuffs with a ghost after that <laughs> right well, in scottish temples in scottish rate temples uh i've heard of others having instances that are non-mason of feeling foreboding and yeah. 
the spirits involved may not see you as a friendly not being Masonic. Yeah, I right. I announced that I was there just to investigate whether or not there was any gentleman that, you know, returned there in the afterlife because, you know, you, you sit back and you think about how dedicated Masons are to masonry and right. you, you got to almost wonder that if once they pass on, do they go back to the the Masonic temple? And sure enough, they do. And, you know, I was very respectful and announced why I was there and what I was doing. And it must have worked because they were talking with us that night. I still have audio. We we're up in the uh, the main chambers, <clears throat> the, the main meeting rooms. Like, we didn't go into where all the paraphernalia and stuff is just out of respect for masonry itself and the masons there they're like in this room back here is you know where we put all of our robes and stuff on and before they could even say anything i just come right out and said i don't need to see back there <clears throat> because right. i'm not a mason i don't need to see that and be a part of that secrets secrecy it was just an honor enough to be into the the, the main chambers and the, cool. the guys that were there with us explained that you know this the the south chair, the west chair, the east chair, that's the north chair. Nobody sits in that chair. It's Masonic tradition. Oh, okay. So we get going, and I got that spirit box on again, and I, I go, who sits in this chair right over here, the north chair? And it's clear as day in the deepest voice you've ever heard. It goes, nobody. <laughs> I'm like, okay, we're, we're talking wow. with the real deal here. We're cooking. Right. We yep. We know what's going on now. <laughs> Yeah, we hear you I'm, loud and clear. It's nice to know you're here with us. I'm a master mason. I belong to Erie Lodge 667 over there. And it's steeped in great tradition and beliefs of those before us are still with us, are very strong. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. It, it, it's just a good mindset to have no matter ghost hunting or not just you know you respect everybody's beliefs right out of the gate even if it's not your own just still i mean there's no need to go into places like that and be like this is all stupid blah 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 just come out and be a respectful guy and try to learn everything you can know a little bit about everything that's right right well information is king mm -hmm. that's right that's right it's very much so nick you and i got to get back out and do some more hunting too yeah, we do. Yeah. I'd say yeah. before the snow flies, but it already snowed in Davenport today, so. <laughs> right. Yeah, <laughs> there goes that. snow here when we left to go over to the banquet. Right. So, with uh, you going through and, and judging stories, it sounds like it was kind of a hard choice, and you had to listen to them more than once. It, it was a doozy. Let me tell you. <laughs> it, so each so story, was... I was like, "Man, come on!" <laughs> <laughs> so there were some of them where you're going, "Oh, this is going to be tough." Yeah, it, it was tough, and uh, I'd say right now in no particular order, just to kind of tease the crowd, because I know everybody's waiting with bated breath. <laughs> oh, nice. I like it. Yeah. 
We'll sell you the whole seat, but you only need the edge. <laughs> <laughs> right now, the the top three in no particular order would be um, oh, from Wednesday's show. We have Janet with her uh, breakfast with a ghost. <laughs> nice. Ooh, remember her? She she. Uh, was staying at her brother and sister-in-law's house and woke up and just saw that lady there. Uh, right. Yep. And then from Sunday's show, you had Phil with his poltergeist activity of his uh, his wife going and go, going ghost hunting with her girlfriends at the poor farm, which, mm-hmm. for those of you listening, the poor farm is it just that it started most poor farms especially in our area um they start out as a poor farm a place for poor folks to go and it's literally a farm that you work on and that's your food and your your rent at that time was done by your work on the farm in the turn of the century they turned all these poor farms into asylums like mental hospitals. Oh, wow. So there's a good chance that, you know, Phil's wife going up to that, that poor farm to do some ghost hunting found, you know, might've ran into some, uh, the spirit of a, a person that was in that asylum and not in that poor farm. So it's kind of a little extra spookiness to his story there. And then last but not least was, um, Travis's story about, uh, Civil War reenactment. Uh, Gettysburg is, I'd say, probably one of the biggest hot spots you can go to in the United States. I mean, pretty much anything that relates to a battlefield of a civil war, you're going to be seeing weird things. Um, Gettysburg is on the top of my list, not for detecting or ghost hunting. I just want to go there and Look around, man. Uh, it's it's interesting to jump on YouTube and just see. Uh, there's a channel on YouTube I watch all the time called American Battlefield Project, and they just take you around Gettysburg and post then and now pictures, and it's just fascinating that all that stuff is still there. Like, they did it right. They preserved the history there. You know, all the houses that have cannonballs stuck in the side of them, they've preserved the cannonballs so they'll always be there, and they take care of those houses, and... It's yeah. fascinating to see the cemetery that the the battle happened right next to, and all the the missed shots that went careening into the cemetery and shattered headstones and stuff. And those headstones are still there, shattered with bullet holes in them. And it'd just be it, to me, it'd be fascinating just to go there and look around. Right, an, just an to see it story. The experience. Yeah, an interesting story that the detectorist guys will all light up. You cannot ghost hunt anywhere on the battlefield because the park rangers will think that it's metal detecting equipment. So there's no ghost hunting and of course no metal detecting. But like if you were to go out there and, you know, start ghost hunting, they'd treat you like you were metal detecting. Get them, get on the ground, pull their guns and stuff on you and <laughs> tackle you. Oh, wow. <clears throat> yeah, that I didn't. Yeah, I didn't realize that. Yep, I've I've heard that throughout the years that you know lots of people go out there expecting to be
be able to just walk out into, you know, Devil's Den and whatnot. And nope, you cannot. Wow. Well, it's, it, you know, some some people that have uh, thought about ghost hunting, maybe they've learned a little something tonight with that. <laughs> yeah, don't go to Gettysburg and ghost hunt. That's right. for sure. Yeah, don't think it's going to be that easy. Wow. Wow. Well, and and you you had to go back and because I believe even this morning you had messaged me saying this is tough. I'm going to have to pick a couple from this show and a couple from this show and listen to them again and get it, you know, weeded oh, yeah. down to yep. the to the winner and the runner up and oh, this is tough. <laughs> It, it mm-hmm. is tough. It, it's it's. <laughs> uh, uh, I'd say. Hmm. We're gonna go. Well, I basically said the winners in order. So it's breakfast with a ghost. Then my wife was ghost hunting at a poor farm, <laughs> and brought a poltergeist home. There's your your top two right there. First and second place. So, runner-up was the poor farm, then. Yep, that that would be Phil. Okay, so Phil, you need to PM me or Chuck with your address. You win the copper round. Okay, Phil gets the copper. Yeah. Hey, Howard, it's the copper! (laughs) That, That sounded identical. And the way it sounds, also, Janet needs to message myself or Chuck because I believe you get your choice of one of three pieces of silver. And a yep. uh, and those are one-ounce pieces, whether it's the bar or the round, and the a pair of Garrett digging gloves. The bar has headless horsemen. One of the rounds is a witch flying her broom, and the other is just a pumpkin, carved pumpkin face. So Janet gets to pick one of those three, and we'll get them off to them and uh, some Garrett dig gloves. Right. And when they get those, hopefully they post up about them and and how they want them and let everybody see what they had won. Right. Congratulations. Yeah, congratulations to Phil and and Janet both. And everybody had some good stories. Right. That's... That's why it was nice to have Nick as a judge, because I didn't have to make the choice. <laughs> I, I, I like I liked them all. It takes the and, heat off uh, of Some were a little more intense. Some were a little deja vu type thing. But I liked them all. And uh, thank you, Nick. That was, that, that, was, uh, that was cool of you. Now, I have a quick one for Nick. Okay. And it's a yeah. one. I live out here. In the very far reaches of Rock Island County, and it's a long pie-shaped piece of county. From one end to the other is 101 miles, and uh, 
at its widest, I think it's 36 miles. It's, and Chuck's it's, got a really nice house, too. No, I'll too bad you. half the chat won't know where it's at or what it looks like, but it is beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I live on River Road, which is the Galena Trail. It's the, the original trail. Galena Trail that ran through here where they hauled the lead ore through. But there's an intersecting avenue up here called 206th Avenue. It's three miles long from start to finish, going from the river on River Road east three miles. It intersects Route 84, which is a heavily traveled highway. And that piece of road, all the years I've been responding to accidents and things, clear back into the 70s and earlier, it was pretty notorious up here at one point of its life with all the bars, bordellos, cabins, all the stuff that went on. There's ties to Chicago Mafia and Al Capone here, and a lot of things occurred. And this one three-mile stretch of road, I call it Bad Karma Road. Just in my tenure, there had been a bar on the intersection of 206 and at that time Route 80 and things like that. But just along that road during my tenure, there's been nine deaths on a three-mile section of road, several by vehicle, a couple by murder. And that road has got some bad history, arson. There was an abandoned farmhouse out at the one end on the east end that we were slated. Uh, people bought the property, wanted the house gone, and at that time we get permits, we could practice, and then burn it. Well, during that period, I get a phone call from the gentleman that bought the property and says, you got to come see this, and I want this house gone now. Got out to the house. On the floor are painted, I believe you call them pentagrams. Woo! And the one time I went out when he called, there was a sacrificial goat hanging over the pentagram. Oh, that's all the better excuse to burn the hell out of that house. We did. <laughs> I called the state. We have to wait for permits and told them the situation for the owner. He said, really? I said, yeah, really. Yeah, we need a rush on this. We need a rush on that. So we got that taken care of quickly. But there was two murders. One happened along the road where we investigated that. They actually had me out there with a detector looking for slugs into the ground that maybe this person had been knocked down and shot, but... It was cut, dried, open, closed by, at that time, the county coroner as accidental, although her body was burnt through so bad it burnt through the bones in the arm. And she said, they said that she just doused herself with gasoline and killed herself. No, you, you can't douse yourself with enough gasoline to do that. Somebody did this gal in. Then we had uh, the most recent, Nick, was just a few years ago, a murder occurred in Rock Island. They brought the body up and buried her out here for no particular reason. Along 206, came out and found her after somebody told 
what they thought occurred and did some checking along the road and found a fresh grave, shallow one, and there's that one. So that particular little stretch of road, there's been a lot of other bad things happen, a lot of bad wrecks there. It's just got bad karma. So that is a road you should go out and just travel with me and see if you see anything, but it's all outdoors. There's no, the bar that was there was, again, we burnt that down for practice with the East Moline Fire Department second responders. Well, they wanted was... it gone because they closed it down for so many shootings, stabbings, and illegal gambling and ties with Chicago Mafia early 70s. Where was wow. the bar at? Down on the corner or up the right road away? Right there where you would turn to come in off of 84 towards the nuke plant. You'd drive in through the nuke plant and then turn and come up to my house. Yeah. Right on that corner across on the east side of the road was a huge bar called the Oasis. Huh. There were, I mean, you'll love the names of the bars, the Oasis, the Bucket of Blood, the Midnight Gardens, <laughs> Charlie's. Rendezvous was a brothel up here. Then <laughs> uh, there were several other establishments, and then down along River Road were other establishments. And gentlemen lived here that was directly tied with the mafia out of Chicago, and he ran the slots and gambling for that mafia group all the way back to Capone. And Capone was noted to have been out here, and he actually had people that worked for him here. He'd send shipments from Chicago to here to be disposed of in the river. Well, well I'm real glad that they Bones dredged and that. Concrete. <laughs> yeah. Great. And wow. So that that that's an area that. We get called to some wild stuff out there. They set stuff on fire. We've had trucks dropped off and burned out here. All kinds of stuff. I mean, literally stolen, took the tools, light the truck on fire, and it's blazing out along the road. We had another gentleman die in a vehicle the 1st of January, one evening, blowing cold. Our snowplow crew went to open the road, and they found a car on fire blazing we got out there and we got a body well we got it put out and it was well below zero with about 30 mile hour winds and they came to me what can we do with this and i said as long as we got it totally out we got a kid with a carrier he'll pull it up we'll park it in my station overnight we guarded the body in the car so investigators could work on it the next day yeah and this guy, I had investigators from three different counties, two different states. This guy was wanted. So they figured at one point he didn't die accidentally. Uh-oh. But that was never proven, and neither was the first gal who was a lawyer for one of the large firms in the Quad Cities. Well, actually, she wasn't a lawyer. She was top secretary for the company, and she had things that they were going to have her release in court, and she suddenly killed herself. That don't make sense in the way it was, and they had me search it. And I still, even till just a year ago, I still gotten calls on that because I was one of them that investigated it, and we left it open where the coroner closed it as a uh, suicidal event. Goodness. So, there's a haunted stretch of road because there's strange things going on out there all the time. 
Right. Yeah, I drive by it all the time to go up to my dad's house. I, I think I besides to take the part that goes down to you, as far yep. as going the other way, I've maybe been down that well, road. The other way, you go straight out. You run into 266. You turn left. It'll take you back to 84 and right into Albany. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Now he may look to, at it from a different perspective. That connects yeah. to Maradosha, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It'll be the the, the first road south of the Maradosha going out in the country is 266. The next one up is Maradosha. You cross the Maradosha there. Wow. So, yeah, you got spooky things going on in certain areas all the time. Why does it happen just there? It's remote. Yeah, it's yeah. it's remote, and I'm surprised there it's still happening in that area because the nuke plant's right there, and those guys can see far. Yeah, I've been at the racetrack working at the haunted house and my buddy was a uh, security guard there and he called me one day. I'm like, Hey man, what's up? Are you supposed to be at work? He goes, yeah, I just wanted you to wave. I go, (laughs) he goes, I can see you right now. I'm like, with what? He goes, something. (laughs) (laughs) I ran and dove behind a car. (laughs) They literally, if you walk the edges near any of the fence lines, you don't have to touch anything. If they don't see you, they know you're there because they can pick up your foot vibrations. Yeah. They got geophones out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. You, you, they've got equipment up you wouldn't believe. Oh, yeah. And for people that say Big Brother isn't watching, well, think again. Yes, he is. Right. That section of the road's had some spooky stuff going on, Nick, so <clears throat> that always deserves a mention. Because I know of six for sure, maybe seven in my tenure. And before that there was a lot hmm. that went on there. Yeah, we'll have to three three mile road, Chuck's new book. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, I got a, a couple pictures I want to show you sometime, too. Yeah, I'll take a look at them. That I took. Yeah, they're you know, they're they're doozies. I, I've not released this publicly. A few of my friends have seen it. I've shown it to a couple ministers that have begged me for that picture. Oh, I, I bet they're good at all. And I said, I'm not giving it up. I said, that that I'm going to use someday. And it proves that firefighters dance with the devil. Right. Well, going, don't uh, know how, don't know when, but I'm using that someday. There you go. Someday. I mean, yeah, all the stuff you've probably seen over the years is that isn't well, I've captured. I've a couple of them that were in a near death type of situation. They've been in an accident. We're paged to it. They're local guys. The one guy I swore up and down, I lost him. We were trying to save him, and I was talking to him the the whole time. Well, he survived. He came back to me, shook my hand, and he verbatim told me everything I told him while I was working on him. Wow. But you said he saw me doing it from above. Now, that's a spooky story so, that we're giving yeah. Chuck this place. Nick, cough it up. 
<laughs> That's my spooky stories. Halloween's Tuesday night. Everybody have fun. Hand out good candies. And most importantly, stay safe. I mean, with the the blood moon, uh, the crazies are out. Oh, yeah, yeah, we've been quiet at the department until we hit that, and all weekend we've ran. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and that's the way it goes. And, and I still I mean, I've said it for years. If people don't think that there's something to that, you ask anybody that works as a first responder. That's right. Ask, and the other one to ask is ask kindergarten, first, and second grade teachers, third grade, what the kids are doing during a full moon. Everything they possibly can wrong. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, that's yeah. that's true. That's yeah. true. So anyway, gentlemen, Nick, thank you for being my short notice judge. Thanks for having me on. Oh, no problem, buddy. That's no problem. You always have some interesting things to partake with us. Yes, and I did see a, uh, a more than a few comments in the chat while we were doing the show that Nick has been a great guest. Oh, thank you, Chad. We've got to get him on a couple more shows. We've got to get out and do some detect and find stuff and see if we can tie things to it. But Yeah. 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 Maybe we'll go out tonight, and leaving the restaurant, Joe wants me to call. I found a large, beautiful gold earring laying in the parking lot. <laughs> so she wants me to call and see if anybody lost that. It ended up being gold. It's Mark 14K. It's oh, a wow. big, heavy one. Just walking out, and there was enough light, and I'm looking down, looking down, and I went, I got to pick that up. I got that gold earring. Cool. Kind of like we were saying earlier, Nick, he can just pull it right out of the air. Uh, I told you, you weren't here for that, Chuck, but I compared you and Darwin to, you, so you guys don't even turn your detectors on and you find a dime in the air. <laughs> well, I haven't found one. If I find one floating there, you're getting a call. <laughs> Come take care of this. <laughs> the coins are floating now. Yeah. that or I'll quit drinking Frank's rhubarb wine. Oh, yeah. No, I could never quit that. Well, I have heard it could cause apparitions. Yes, it can. Yeah. I've seen it happen. <laughs> <laughs> Real quick, before we take off, I saw Bob Holycross in the chat. That's a name I haven't seen in years. When I when I first joined the club, he was part of the club, too, and we'd all talk a lot of trash online. And at one point, I had uh, dressed up like Bob, and he was my <laughs> the, the picture of me with a big white mustache and my massive... AT Pro headphones was my profile picture on Facebook for the longest time. <laughs> oh, I think I remember seeing that. Yeah, yeah. I think I think Darwin even got back. in on oh it. And had a white mustache at one point in time, but yeah, then uh, he moved away, and the fun the 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 fun was over with. But he was a real good sport to talk with online and to see him at uh I and I uh, spring and summer hunts, and yep. hope to see him yep. again one day. We'll do a sp- uh, swing in the summer, June twenty second next year. So I've been getting going on that. So we'll keep you all posted on that, and hope you can make it down to Galesburg and hunt with us, Nick. Yeah, 
I've, I've been meaning to get to one. It's just last couple of years have been doozies, but yeah, I'll see what I can do. And for those All thinking right, of attending, you shouldn't have a problem spotting him. He stands head and shoulders above others. Yeah, I'll have to set up a booth next to Chicago Ron, and we'll be the 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 guys on TV. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, the tall and the short of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Even if Ron stands on a chair, he doesn't get that tall. Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> I have to bring his fire truck down and extend the ladder to stand next to me. Yeah. <laughs> Great photo op. You two can shake hands. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have to get after the little guy and tell him about that. In fact, he should be on his way home from England. His 40 days in England. I thought 28 days was long. Yeah, he did. He did time his trip. He had, what, three 10 days and a seven, and then getting out about 40 days there. Wow. Yeah. So, well, gentlemen, thank you. Thank you, Nick Simon, for being on. Everybody check the links that have been thrown up there, and you can follow him. And uh, thanks for having me on. Good choices, Nick. Thanks, Thank Chuck. you, Chuck. Talk to you all later. All Bye right. <clears throat> Hang in there with me for a few minutes, Nick. For everyone else, obviously, uh, Nick Simons from 28 Days Haunted. Congratulations to our winner for their spooky story and runner-up, uh, Janet and... Phil were our winners, so congrats to them. And like Chuck said, Halloween is Tuesday, so most importantly, stay safe. Uh, Nick, hang in there with me. I'll be back to you in just a moment, sir. For everyone else, uh, we're going to roll on out of here. Have a wonderful evening, all. Thank you.